Father, thank you for thus far you have brought us. You have given us your word already. And we are grateful, Father. And we just want to ask, Lord, that in the remaining minutes, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, God, set our hearts free. Open our eyes, open our ears that we may hear. And may we, by our lives, bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Our topic is glorify your Father who is in heaven. Partly that's what we have been doing since we came here this morning. Today is the last Sunday in the first half of 2018. 2018 that just came the other day and we are saying Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Half of it is already gone. And there is so much to thank God for. There is so much to thank God for. We want to thank God for our lives, for His faithfulness. He has not treated us the way we really deserve. If God has dealt with us according to our ways, we will not be here. But I want to thank God who has been providing for us in a very difficult economy. God has been placing food on our tables. I want to thank God above all for Jesus Christ, who he gave us. And in this part of the nation, we can freely come in and out of the church and worship the Lord. No hindrance, nobody killing us, nobody shooting us. It's so something big for us to thank him. And because of Jesus, we have access unto the Father. All those problems we count and count and count and they mount like very big mountains. The Lord gives us access into his presence because we are his children. And each time we come, he answers us. Each time we come, he takes over those bodies. These are great mercies that we should thank God for. Praise the Lord. So what does it mean to glorify the Lord? When we say glorify your father who is in heaven. And it's like somebody is telling you, glorify your father. And the first question, just like the, one of the prophecies asked us, are you his child? That's what qualifies you to glorify him. If you are his child, then you are qualified to glorify the father. So those of us who have been coming for midweek, we know that we have been taught over and over again, about the fatherhood of God. God is such a responsible father. But God will not be your father if you don't want him to be your father. You have to come to him willingly before God will adopt you. God will call you to be his own. You don't become a child of God because you're coming to church. You don't become a child of God because your father is a catechist or a priest or a bishop. Or because you were born and baptized in the church. You are a child of God because you made a decision. A deliberate decision to say, Father, I come to you. Not by any other way, but by Jesus Christ. And you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God becomes your Father. And so, if that is what you have done, the instruction today is glorify your Father who is in heaven. Praise the Lord. So what does it mean to glorify him? It means to honor him, to exalt him, to extol him, 
to praise him, to worship him, to bring great splendor to him. But is it us that we glorify God? God is already glorified. I want us to look at some passages and see the God we are talking about. So that we know that if we are talking of just about glorifying God, God is already glorious. I want us to read from Revelation chapter 4. Revelation 4 verse 4. Okay, let me start from 3. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and chameleon. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shining sea of glass and sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living things, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, and the second was like an ox, and the third, third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out, day after day, and night after night. They kept on saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God. And the Almighty, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is to come. So, this is the God we are talking about. It's just a matter of what the Apostle John could use words, the extent he could get his words to describe what he saw. God is already glorified. And when we get to Isaiah 6, Isaiah will say, I see the Lord. I see the Lord. He is high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. He's high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. The angels cry, holy. The angels cry, holy. The angels cry, holy is the Lord. I want you to take note of something. Each time any of these people see the Lord, there is a cry. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Praise the Lord. So if we also go to what the uh, apostles saw when Jesus transfigured, it was also glorious. So God in himself is glorious. It's not when we say God be glorified that God is glorified. He's already a great king. That's why when we sing, He is God. From beginning to the end, there is no place for argument. 
You are God all by yourself. God is God by himself. Very glorious. In short, there is a friend of mine from Egala that told me that the Egala people call God the God that wins a battle without raising dust. He's not a small God. He is great. But why did the scriptures ask us to glorify our Father who is in heaven? I want us to go straight to the passage in Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 16. Matthew 5, from 13 to 16. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Yea, at the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house, sixteen the last. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see the, your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Praise the Lord. He said, let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your father. Who, they, 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 they will now glorify your father who is uh, in heaven. You know, God made us in his image, which was lost when Adam sinned. But when the second Adam came, when Jesus came, he restored us back to God. And along with it, the same glory that was lost, he restored it. He called back us unto himself and brought that same life that was light to men. If you read John chapter 1, the Bible says, In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. So when Jesus restored back that light, he now says to us, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, wherewith shall it be salted? Or of what use is that salt again? And uh, in chemistry, we have several types of salt. In short, any compound that has an acid end and a metal is called a salt. But only one is used for salting food. And that's sodium chloride. And the Bible says, if this salt that is used to salt your food and salt our food loses its saltiness and maybe becomes like sodium sulfate, you say, of what use is that salt? He says it has no there's no need for it but to be thrown out and be cast away. That it will be of no use. Which means that there is a possibility that salt may decide not to be the salt that it's supposed to be. Because if it is sodium chloride, if it continues to be sodium chloride, it will still have taste. But along the line, some reactions may occur and what we call a displacement reaction may occur. And that salt will cease to be salt and become another thing. And so the Bible says at that point, we are no longer good to be called uh, salt. 
There are three major things that are key to that topic in that passage. It says that men, one, that's the people that will see. He say they will see before they will now glorify your father who is there in heaven. You know, all these six months, we have been looking at principles of kingdom lifestyle. We have been looking at the life that Jesus took the disciples to the mountain and taught. Poverty of the spirit, that's humility, meekness, mourning for righteousness and merciful kindness, purity of heart, endurance, enduring persecution, so many things. All these things have been taught here, especially during the outreach. We had so much. So many of it, we have had it over and over again. And Jesus was saying that these are the lights that bring the light in us. And if this light is not there, it means that the salt has lost its flavor. The light has now been hidden under the bushel. And no one can see it again. And Jesus is calling us, Jesus is urging us that these characters that we have been taught as the lifestyle of the kingdom, that it should be seen in us. It should be seen in our lives. So that if you read that passage in Amplified, you will find it's not just talking of men saying, oh, thank you, Father, for this person. Amplified says, so that those people will also be prompted to begin to live the same life to, that you live. Message Bible says that as they look at you, how you opened up to God, they also will be challenged to open up to God. That's what that passage is saying. So that our life will become a witness to tell people that what God is saying is actually real. You know that if you look at the message on the uh, the kingdom lifestyle that Jesus listed on the hill, on the mountain, you will find that many of them were more of things to put on. I want us to read from Colossians 3, 8 and 12. These are many that he was emphasizing characters that we need to put on. We need to wear as Christians. If you find verse 8, can you read? Blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man. Which okay, is it's new. okay, it's okay, it's okay. Let's also read verse 12. And therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Praise the Lord. Paul was writing, interpreting the same things that Jesus said. Put off. Put off these things. When Jesus calls us, he, put, he, he, he enables us by his grace to put off things. He washes us clean by his blood. 
He makes us worthy of his name. He cleans us up. And there is nothing about us that, no matter how dirty we were, Jesus can clean us up. There is nothing anybody has ever done that Jesus cannot forgive and restore you. But when he cleans us up and says, put off, you put off anger, you put off fornication, you put off lies, you put off uh, malice, you put off lies and everything that is worth putting off. When you finish putting them off and you stand, and anybody who looks at you will say, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't womanize, he doesn't do anything bad. And that's all that anybody can, everybody can say about you. There is something remaining. You know that if somebody walks in here now, and uh, a beautiful woman, very beautiful woman, and strips herself naked, very clean, you know, very clean, there is no death on that person. How many of us will look at her twice? I'm just talking of how beautiful will she be to the eyes that is looking at her. How many of us will look at her? Very rarely. Most of us will say, Why can't Amen. But I want us to know that many of us as Christians are like that woman. We don't steal. We don't kill. We don't fight. We don't do this. We don't do that. You don't womanize. You don't drink. There are so many put-offs you have dealt with. But you have put on nothing. You have not put on anything. And you are just there as a Christian. Without any clothing on. So in verse 12, Jesus said, as Paul said, as you have put off these things, put on bowels of mercy. And if you go back to, to the Sermon on the Mount, you will find that all those things that Jesus was emphasizing, we are things we need to put on. They are the duty of the Christian life. The beauty of the Christian life is not just in what we have put off. I don't do this. I don't do that. I am not involved in that. I'm not involved. But what are you doing? Do you have bowels of mercy? I remember that the day that uh, Professor Ezequiel preached, he was the one telling, he told us that begging is not easy. Begging is not easy. But all around us, there are people with needs. And people are begging. And some of us have developed strategies and answers why we must not put on bowels of mess. And Jesus is looking for people who will bring on his character by the things they put on. Humility. Humility. Many of us, we know we, to, to, our, to ourselves, we know we are very humble. But when some occasions come, you will be the one telling yourself that from what I did today, I find I'm not very humble. I'm not. Humility. 
And that's why everybody wants his rights exerted. I want my right, I want my right, I want my right. He wants us to be humble, to be meek, to be kind. He wants us to put on endurance. In short, in Revelation, we call it sometimes patient endurance. That's when you finish patience, you enter endurance. At home, in the church, in the school, in our workplace. Which of these characters do people really see around you that they can say, this is what it looks like Jesus in this person. And you know that it is good that we preach the gospel. Very, very good. In short, if you live this life and you don't say the source of it, you are a moralist. You are just living a moral life. The source of this good life comes from Jesus. We should always declare it. But I will also be praying, and I want you also to be praying, that men may see, men may see the good works in me and begin to love the Jesus that I love. It's not just enough that I am preaching it. Somebody said, I don't like doing something with people. And the first thing you tell me is, I'm a Christian. No, you don't need to announce it firsthand. You don't need to announce to us that, look, I'm a Christian. No, leave it. Let the beauty of that life speak for itself. And when Jesus says these things, you know that some of us, when we hear the Sermon on the Mount, the conditions that Jesus gives, some of us we prefer to stay at the base of that mountain and say, when he finish, he will come down. He will come to our level. I, I don't want that level of uh, all those ginger things that people do. I don't want it. I will remain at the base of this mountain. I want you to know that Jesus is not coming down. He's not coming down to the mountain to water down the standard where we will not put on these things. I want us to read Revelation 19 verse 8. Because many of us believe that the grace of God does everything. He just, the grace of God puts on righteousness. He does everything. He does this and does that. Let's see what that verse says about our righteousness. Revelation 19 verse 8. Let me read from verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. His bride did what? Prepared herself. She had been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the time has come. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of the holy, of God's holy people. So, but many of us believe that Jesus just gives us the garment of righteousness and you do nothing. You do nothing and that righteousness is all that you need. He says, 
The garment you are giving at the wedding supper of the Lamb is made up of white, which is the good deeds of the saints. So, does that sound like I am saving myself? No. Because Jesus already told us in Titus 2.11 that the grace of God that appears to all men, the grace of God that brings salvation has done what? Appeared to all men. Teaching them to do something. To forsake ungodliness and live a righteous life. So as we forsake ungodliness, we live a righteous life. So God is not just calling us to stay there and uh, just do nothing. What the grace of God does is to provide these things and make them available to us. And all we do is to do what? The putting on. Let's not be naked again. That's why many people, they know that we are Christians, but they see nothing beautiful about us. There's nothing beautiful. There is nothing attractive about that life. There is nothing to bring glory to God. And uh, it's not a very easy thing. That's why in, in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus said, the narrow way is difficult. It's difficult. It's not a very easy road. So, when he says these things, and we hear, what do we do? What do we do? Are we just going to stay and say, well, I've been trying. No. He says, there is a deliberate choice for us to make. I was, I was studying the book of Kings, first and second Kings recently, and I keep looking at the way things go. A king will come and decide, I won't honor this God. It was a choice. Even some of them that had very godly parents, like Manasseh. Manasseh was the son of Hezekiah, a very godly man who washed the Lord with his whole heart. But he decided, I don't want that is God. And he went his way. Hezekiah was the son of an ungodly father, Ahaz. And Ahaz, Hezekiah decided, I will serve the Lord. So each time we take the steps on what to do, it is a deliberate choice what to do or what not to do. If you decide that in the midst of everyone, I want to put on the beauty of Jesus, the holiness that makes him who he is, then it's a choice. It's not something that anybody will force on you. Or just like I said, when you say, I'm not coming up to that mountain, let them just be saying, or some people will say, for giving all that, for loving my enemies, which of them will I love? The people that want to kill me. So those standards are not easy. But Jesus says, that's what I want you to live by. And when we have these things happening around us, what manner of person are we choosing to be? I want us to know that Jesus did not just ask us to do these things. He has a right over us. How do we put on the life? We receive our salvation by faith. We also receive the godly character by faith. We live it out. 
And that's why if there is any one of it that is so difficult, if you find it difficult to be patient, to be patient, I was not a very patient person. But I'm sure God is teaching me. I've not even learned. But I'm sure he's teaching me. I'm sure somebody used to call me Amokbe. Because I was, I will always fight it out. But God is teaching me. If there is any character, any character that you think is lacking in your life, you receive salvation by faith. You can also receive that character by faith. By asking the Lord to help you. It's not by saying it's not possible. I didn't hear me. That one cannot happen. Go back to God and receive it the same way you received salvation. You can ask God, please help my faith. I, I don't know how to control my mouth. I don't know how to control my temper. I don't know how to control this. When you make it a point of prayer, you know, so many of us pray about so many other things, but we never pray, pray about godly characters. We just assume, if I'm able to do it, it's okay. If I don't, let it be. Pray about them. Pray and ask the Lord to help you. In any area you are lacking, in any area that the beauty of the Lord is not coming out, you can begin to ask the Lord to help you. And then, why is God asking us? I want us to read Second Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. That's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Because if if Jesus doesn't have a claim over us, then he has no right to ask us to put on his life. If he doesn't have a claim over you, he cannot be asking you to live the way he wants you to live. From verse 14. Okay. Let me read from 13. He says, if it, is, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are out in our right mind, it is your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live unto themselves. We no longer live unto them, unto ourselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Let's read Malachi 1.6. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. Please, if you have King James, can you read it for me? And if I am a servant, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? To you, priests, who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Thank you. So a child honors his father. A child honors his father. And God is asking you, if I am your father, if God is my father, how do I honor him? Where is his honor? Many of us, when we talk of honoring God, it's only when we dance and sing. That's the only honor of God we know. But God cannot tell you, sit down here and you sit. God cannot tell us, keep quiet and you will keep. God cannot tell us, leave that matter and you leave it. A child honors his father. If I am your father, where is my honor? 
And I'll go back to that question again. Is God your father? Is God your father? Or do you just take it for granted that since you are coming to Chapel of His Resurrection, they say everybody there is going to heaven. I'm already in the train. It's a ticket you buy yourself, guarantees, and keep it ready every day that you are a member of God's family. If you have never at any point in your life invited Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior, then you are not his child. I want to ask you this morning to use this opportunity and come to him and make peace with him. It does not matter how long you have been in this church or you have been going to church as a person. You might have gone for 50, 60 years, I don't know. But in your heart, there is no witness that you have reconciled with God through Christ. Today is another day. Today is another day. And that opportunity keeps coming and going. And so many people will ignore it. So many people will say, let, let them finish that talk and let the thing end. But the question will continue to come. Are you a child of God? If you are not, I want you to just bow your head down in prayer now. As you begin to talk to the Lord, we are beginning to pray. Can you bow your head down and ask the Lord, I don't know you. I cannot say I am your child. He says, whoever comes to him, he says he will by no means cast away. He will by no means cast away. I want you to bow your head now and ask the Lord to come into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. Receive me as I am. Receive me as I am. My only plea, Christ died for me. Shall we open our mouth and just talk to the Lord? Say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I come to you this morning. Repentance of my sins. It is clear unto me that I've been identifying with your people. But I've not given my life to you. Lord Jesus, be my Lord and my personal Savior. Wash me with your precious blood. Cancel my name from the book of death. And write my name in the book of life. That from this day henceforth, I will be your child. 
In Jesus name. Father thank you for this your children. Who have decided. Lord that you become their Lord and their Savior. Lord Jesus may it be so unto them in the name of Jesus. Let the hold of sin upon their life be broken in the name of Jesus. Grant them the seal of the Holy Spirit. That from today henceforth, the Spirit of God will bear witness in their hearts that they are sons and daughters of God. Lord, I pray that you begin to do a new thing in their life. Cause the Father from this day henceforth, they will experience the joy of salvation. And every hold of the devil upon them, and whatsoever it is, O oh Lord, that they struggle with before now, will break that hold in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for hearing our prayers. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Our Father, we thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for speaking unto us. May our lives, O oh God, bring glory to your name. In the precious name of Jesus, we give you praise for hearing our prayer. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed.